Welcome everybody to another episode of Our Roots in Tea, and we are back to discuss more of very existential life topics. Talking about spiritual journey, mental well-being, healing, life purpose, psychology, meditation, all that kind of good stuff. And I, I always have a, a guest with me, and then. These guests are usually all all types of people from all over the world. They all have different backgrounds, so it's 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 a joy to talk to these type of people of, with all their life experiences. And before I even begin to with our guest here, which is another good friend of mine, um, it is a tradition that we drink a a tea while we have a conversation. Today's tea is. Country peach passion herbal tea, caffeine free, <laughs> for those who are、uh, sensitive to caffeine. And so we have my guest here is a good friend of mine, Victor. He is a production、uh, sound mixer, sound designer,、uh, among all the other talents that he has. So I just want to say thank you very much for coming on board. Thank you, Darren. Yeah, and so I. Want to dive kind of right into、uh, the conversation because、uh, Victor and I were just talking about a little bit earlier、um, with all the stuff going on right now. I, I guess I just want to know, kind of throughout this whole year, how have you been dealing with the stress and anxiety?、Um, and then you know, if you have like certain ways or certain things that you do to to manage it. Ah,、uh, um, I'll be honest. I don't know if I'm a very good person to ask in terms of like <laughs>、uh, stress management. There,、uh, um, largely just because I feel like I think the general consensus or the general feeling kind of felt is like you know there is like a general feeling of just stress and being overwhelmed with just the way things are, and then just finding whatever little things you can to kind of like、um, get by.、Uh, just. Do whatever you can to kind of just like you know, go about your day as best as you possibly can、uh, with as little stress as you can.、Uh, for me, that's been a lot of、um, because I worked in movies for so much. I like watching a lot of movies.、Uh, I've been trying to use a lot of this time or a lot of free time at home to、uh, catch up on a large、uh, backlog of movies I just missed within the last couple of years.、Um, also, do a lot of reading.、Um, mm. Reading and、uh, books have. Were kind of like my very first big passion before I even got into filmmaking.、Uh, my work that I'm doing right now actually is、um, I'm an elementary school librarian,、mm. and for work I've been working remotely on our、um, school's catalog of just like books, basically to kind of like、uh, stuff that we need to uh, refresh and uh, restock in our inventory and all that. So、um, that's actually the、uh, line of work I'm looking at getting into.、Uh, pretty recent.、Uh, Pretty recently, actually, like I've decided that I kind of want to become a full-fledged、uh, librarian. So that's where I'm at, and that's kind of where I'm getting into、uh, for all of that. And you know, studying up on that and doing all of that, and、uh, mm-hmm. just getting into the state of just reading books and doing stuff like that a little bit more.、Um, it's nice. It's good to just sit down and just read a book for a little while and let the world、mm-hmm. that an author puts into your head kind of like、uh, take you away from wherever you're at for a moment. So.、Uh, If just staring at a screen、uh, is something that's not something you want to keep doing consistently for day after day,、uh, please pick up a good book and just you know read for a little while.、Uh, hopefully that helps, at least on the eyes. 
Okay, that's cool. Like, what what are you reading right now? So I actually bought uh, a couple of new books uh, from Barnes and Noble. Uh, cool. Just books I kind of want to get for a little while. So yeah. this is one that I'm uh, starting right now. Yes, uh, Mark Manson's everything yes. is fucked a book yes. about hope yes, yes. i i fit i finished reading that uh last year actually <laughs> yeah I, I i just got started on it right now and i'm liking it so far um i don't know because the thing is it's like i've always been very skeptical and wary of like books that kind of have like you know like this mm-hmm. like secret to life and to understanding and mm-hmm. uh going well like these like self-help books but just the title alone of that and everything like that, it's, it's like that sounds like a book that I can finally get, I can finally get into it and understand that a little bit. Like, um, I think, I, I think a good portion, at least for me, like, uh, with kind of like coping and getting through like the stresses of the world is just recognizing and admitting that there are a lot of stresses and a lot of terrible stuff going on in the world and just, yeah. you know, finding ways to reconcile with that and then make peace with that. So you can uh-huh. actually try to, you know, go about your life in a very hopeful, positive way. So have you have you actually read his stuff his his previous book which is um the subtle art of not giving a fuck uh that one to me was what really got me started on this kind of journey i'm on on i'm on right now that's interesting like no like i i heard about that book um and i just never got around to reading it but then when i came around to like because i again like i wanted to get into like um book reading and stuff like that like yeah yeah just again like I, I saw the title of it and I just you know like given kind of like what I understand about like the author like not having read any of the books whatever it's mm-hmm. like it definitely seems like the kind of reading material I could definitely get into um especially like right now in these times where it's like yeah uh everything it really isn't that great but uh we can yeah. still find a way to make this work so yeah it's that's, true yeah yeah if you have a chance though you you know you should also pick up his previous book too because that one his previous one is, is the title is, is just as good and and it's also also another fun read because very similar to to the one that you just that you just showed me uh everything is fucked it you know um i mean i don't know what you think about it but for me i i think this the stuff he talks about or the advice that he gives it's very, it's like, it feels very real and, uh, and genuine in a way where like, it's not really sugarcoating anything. It's, it's just being yes. honest, like, hey, life does suck. And that's kind of how you have to look at it, you know? Exactly. And I think part of like, again, like what I said earlier, it's like part of the issue that I've always had with like books like this or like stuff like this in general, it's like, you know, like they kind of mush over, coat over like a lot of that. And it's like, I think just, the glaring honesty and just the ability to be that grounded and just very upfront with mm-hmm. that and then kind of get into what you really need which is like you know a reason to care and a reason to hope and a reason to just be okay with not giving a fuck yeah uh it's like yeah that's that's i think definitely something that i feels at least to me a lot more productive and a lot more um it's better for you as a person i think it's uh when you can you know be real and be honest and confront those things that are not very uh great to uh be confronted with and to be honest about and then you know come to terms with that because part of i think really getting by and facing a lot of issues in life is just to admit to and accept 
the glaring realities behind them and then learning how to kind of cope and reconcile with those as best as you can. So that's true. That's true. So let, let me ask you this then. Have you, you know, cause I don't know, did you finish the book? First of all, that book? I, I haven't yet. Like I, I just started this week. Um, I bought it a little while earlier, but like I just barely started getting into it right now. Yeah, um, but it, already like, it, it just feels like, again, like there's just, there's an honesty about it that I think is very important, something that I appreciate because it's like, yeah, it's, you know, when, when things like this happen, like, or when um, hard stuff like in the world kind of happens or whatever, it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's important to kind of like not shy away from Minnesota. Like you have to take it for what that is and then be able to kind of like right. be able to accept that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with everything that's been going on recently, like with, everything going on in the world right now like yeah. it's it's something that i think is definitely very helpful and something that i definitely do want to incorporate more of into my life so yeah so before before we before that book though it, it kind of kind of does sound like that you 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 never really haven't ever actually really read any other self-help books before right or, or... no um because again i didn't really see a lot of the point of like i i, I tried to read or get into like um passages like I, I'm one of those people where, like, I, I read a book, if it doesn't capture me or doesn't uh, fill me with some sense of enthusiasm or interest within the first couple of pages, I know I'm not going to like it, so I'm going to stop. Mm. Uh, I can't be bothered to read books that, like, don't engage me in some way or form uh, or that don't kind of, like, address something that comes to me. Like, um, one of the hardest book reading experiences I ever had was reading A Girl with a Dragon Tattoo because... Uh. <laughs> it's like it's a very long book and it has a very it has like a lot of like themes and elements in it that are very hard to get into Mm -hmm. but for the most part story-wise it's just a very long slow burn and it's only until you get towards like the last couple of chapters of the book where it really starts to pick up so that was hard to get through the sequel so much better like right away like the whole story starts off with like a bang twist and then like it just gets into just like this like build-up or whatever and it's like you know, stories like that or books like that were like, because I know a lot of people like, especially like in this day and age, like reading is such a very novel and yeah. rare concept for a lot of people just like being able to do that. So I think it's like, if you can find a book that can capture your interest or your attention within the first couple of pages, you know, it's going to be a good one. And thankfully so far, this book is one of those good ones mm. that I'm very excited about because unlike the other self books where I try to get into it or whatever, mm. this one from the very beginning lets you know that there's going to be some seriously uncomfortable things that you're going to have to uh, be okay with hearing and be okay with understanding for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just, I think it speaks to just like my own kind of like worldview and just my own kind of like idea behind things. It's like, you can only go so far in your life before you address certain issues or certain problems or yeah. obstacles that are in your way or that are right in front of you. You know, yeah. you have to be able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah and facing that and then once you can do that then you can actually go about solving these issues in front of you or figuring out how to get by with them you know as best as you can okay so so now so to kind of tag on to that then i mean i guess lately what what are you uncomfortable with and then how are you tackling whatever you're uncomfortable with <laughs> so 
Well, I, I know at some point we're probably going to discuss it. Um, yes, we are. We could even start right now too, but go ahead. Yeah, but I, I think some pretext before that, because this is yes. uh, something that happened a little bit before that as well too. Um, and again, it goes right into it because it basically like, you have to understand, especially with like um with this particular topic, it's not just one issue or one yeah. problem or cause or discussion. It's an envelope of different issues that are being combined. And this is the horrible result of a lot of those issues that yes. have gone unaddressed and unresolved. So, yes. so some context before that. Um, I think before the awful thing that happened in Georgia yeah. uh, this past week, mm-hmm. even before that, there was like this ongoing buzz on the internet where women were talking about like uh, their experiences and their, you know, horrible traumas that they've gone through in terms of like uh, sexual assault, harassment, mm-hmm. uh, violence against, like from men. And um, just the problems with like using hashtags that say like not all men and yeah. guys that perpetuate that and perpetuate those, you know, uh, claims and those yeah. ideas. And it got personal for me because uh, what happened was um, on Facebook, I posted up uh, basically just like um, one of those things that you kind of like a, a post that you see on your feed and then you share it like uh, yeah. basically saying how like, you know, like it's how problematic it is for like uh, guys to just like not address or not understand like the weight of that. And then of course, a colleague from college comes in mm-hmm. And it just reinforces the same issue that this thing is talking about. Uh, basically, um, just the fact that like uh, how it's harmful against men to make this like huge overgeneralization about like, you know, like just all this or whatever. And it's like, my dude, you literally came in here and the whole point just washed right over you. Mm. Just, ugh. Because again, like the, the issue is not the fact that it is all men or anything like that the fact of the issue is that it is enough men that women as a whole feel uncomfortable around all men because Mm -hmm. they live in this constant state of anxiety and terror in regards to any possible negative interaction they may possibly have with a man and the very possible dangerous outcomes that could come of that you know it's a reality that women have that we should not be in debate about or agree to disagree about especially as a man Yes. who are the people that are instigating and are the source of this world of anxiety and terror that mm-hmm. we have put these women in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went into a very long, very frustrating conversation, both on the actual post on Facebook, like publicly, we got into it into my DMs a little bit. Oh, wow. Finally, another friend of mine uh, who works in film, uh, she came on and kind of addressed, I, I think in a very more simple, nuanced way, kind of just like the issues that like I was already kind of like trying to tell this guy. And, uh, you know, it was that. And then also kind of like the um, just responses, I think, from like the other women that kind of like uh, interacted with or also said something on their words, sort of like he finally kind of started to understand what the actual issue was. I hope he started to understand what the actual issue was, because after that, he let it go, mm. didn't have to worry about it. And honest to God, I thought that was going to be the only stressful thing I would have to worry about. And then Tuesday night. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. That was, yeah, it was pretty terrible. Like, no, I, 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 I hear you, man. I mean, that's part of the reason why I, I kind of want to talk about 
about this today too, because it, it, it kind of bothered me a little bit, um, you know, after it happened, you know, for uh, actually this whole past week. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I was going to see what your thoughts are on, 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 on this, you know, on yeah. what happened, on what happened, like, you know, in, in the shooting that in Georgia. Yeah. Well, uh, let me start off right off the bat guys by telling you that uh, I am a cis hetero white passing first generation Latino male. So my opinions and views on this uh, should not be a strong reflection of anything else. You should definitely also be listening to a lot of other voices on this matter, especially a lot of not uh, API women voices on this, uh, because those are the ones that we need to amplify that most. Um, of course. Yes. Uh, having said that, like, um, it's, I, I grew up basically like, um, uh, with a lot of friends, like, uh, in middle school and high school that were from the API community, like a large majority of my friends were a varying, uh, Filipino, Vietnamese, Korean, Chinese descent. Yes. My very best and longest friend growing up since childhood, uh, is half Japanese on his mother's side. So, you know, while I am actively against every form of bigotry, xenophobia, and uh, misogyny out there. It was, you know, when I heard about what happened like uh, in Georgia to these um, women uh, in Atlanta, like it definitely, like because of that personal kinship I feel with the API community as a result of like, you know, like my past experiences, like um, it just, it felt that much more personal. And then as a result, it felt, it, made me feel that much more um saddened by and just enraged by to kind of just read about and just like just listen yeah. to all the stuff that came in afterward like just oh, people yeah. trying to find ways to humanize what this guy did and all mm-hmm. that and it's mm-hmm. really just again kind of just a giant culmination of like a lot of major giant issues that have just gone on even past this pandemic you know just yeah. that have been there and uh, you know resulted in just this horrible atrocity that happened so yeah and then um because I, I read a little bit more in the news too and then part of it too is also uh you know the police chief like his response to this whole event um yeah oh god it, it's it's just so it is it, it just sounds so amateurish and it's like dude you're you are a law enforcer you are giving an interview like you know like a press and all you have to say is like oh you know it was a having a like a bad day or whatever i'm like what <laughs> and again it's like one of those other things where it's like whenever stuff like this happens like and it's always like a angry white guy that is yeah. the source of like these like horrible atrocious actions that occur like it's never labeled as a terroristic action it's always labeled as like an issue of this guy was mentally ill. This guy like had some serious issues. Like it only mental illness only ever becomes a serious issue of discussion and topic whenever it applies to these people, because outside of that, yes, everyone else is criminalized. Everyone else is weaponized into being like this horrible, terrible person and demonized in some way or form. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. No, and, no, no it absolutely is. I, I agree with you. And, and that's why I so, um, it's kind of like there it is very heartbreaking to to see that that's kind of how it has become. Well, I mean, we all know that's been like this for for, for a while, obviously. Yeah. For, you know, for many years, not just recently, but but you know, it's become more of a more more of a problem because 
it's like, you know, cause I, I see like a lot of people's responses on Twitter and in social media. And there's this kind of saying like, you know, the way how America is like, they kind of always brush shootings or these kind of killings off. Like, Oh, it's just like another day in the office. That's what happens in America. I just don't understand why people have that kind of psychology, right. That, that thought process, because you know, any, any other country seeing us, they're like, dude, this is not normal. You, you know, we, we always have all these shootings and nothing has ever been resolved. And we all have killings. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's even worse too, because like, you know, like at, at this point, it's sort of like no one outside of like this country is ever shocked or appalled at anything that happens here anymore because it's become so yes occurring and so much something that like we've kind of come to expect, like even just like you know, no, when the cop came out and like said those things, like as horrible and as terrible as it is, like it was also one of those things too, where it's sort of like, you can't really be surprised by the fact that he took on that stance because it's like, that's also become something that's become so recurring and expected at this point. It's just the lack of a genuine response to this or a lack of like general, you know, disgust from authority and the people that we uh, elect to take care of us and watch over us, you know, to it's a criminal a sense of criminal apathy on their part when it happens and it's it's horrible yeah it, no it is it's it's i i agree with you and i mean and, and yeah and then of course going to your point about like yeah you know mental illness only really applies to hey you know you know we'll say as it is it only applies to white people caucasians that's white just, guys yeah like guys that's just as is that's as really straightforward and as 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 obvious as it sounds and it's true because you know whenever like other like what you said like other races like what other minorities when they do this they're like oh this guy's probably a terrorist or whatever and you're just like and then of course people who are usually saying this are obviously other white guys <laughs> or because they're they're you know they're protecting their own people they're you know, to them in America, they're the superior race or, you know, things like that. And, Mm -hmm. and that's why this matter really bothers me so much too, because I mean, cause on you, cause you mentioned you're, you're, you're first generations. That means you've been here for like, obviously years and years. I mean, you basically born and raised here as as my guess, right? Yeah. Like my parents came here when both my parents and uh, their families came here when they were like, young but i was born and raised here so it was like you know i've always kind of had like this sense of understanding like of just like kind of like where i'm at and also like the kind of like uh spaces we kind of occupy mostly just because ever since i was little i've always been fascinated with just kind of like exploring and seeing the world like just kind of as as like a whole and then kind of like looking into that and it sucks because as you get older you really start to understand and become more conscientious of just how a lot of these issues that come up like you know like especially like regarding racism and yeah misogyny and violence like it's like it would be nice if this was all chalked up to just like flaws in individual character and stuff like that but no these are systemic issues uh because they've become so accepted and tolerated they've been given enough space to grow that like it's just become so ingrained into the culture and i think you know, when I said earlier, like, it's a combination of a lot of these issues, it really is like, you know, it's a combination of how Caucasian or white society uh, sees and views 
minorities, uh, Asians and Pacific Islanders in this yes. country. Yes. It is a combination of how we regard women uh, as and how we sexualize them, especially like uh, Asian women, how they are fetishized and sexualized. Yes. Um, I've been reluctant to uh, share articles that apply the status of sex worker onto these women, um, mostly just because uh, there hasn't been any consistent evidence. There hasn't been anything definite to say that they are. And mm -hmm. I don't want to uh, risk perpetuating, uh, as, as a friend pointed out earlier, uh, risk perpetuating like uh, other harmful stereotypes uh, yeah. regarding Asian women that yeah. work in these places and the services that they perform. Yeah. But again, that also plays into this as well, yes. too, because again, it's like, the perceptions that we have of you know sex work and the people that go into this in addition to how society regards them yeah. or disregards them completely in these situations yeah. as well as also just you know asian women in that regard and kind of like the stereotypes that come with that it's yeah. it's a gigantic combination of all these issues and it's um it's totally fucked <laughs> it is it's absolutely fucked and it's it's horrible too because it's like the backlash and the racist vitriol that comes with that you know it's Obviously, it's because there's still this gigantic discomfort with trying to recognize that reality for so many people yeah. or try to come to terms with that and accept responsibility for the roles that we like uh, that guys play into that as well, too. Like, again, yes. one of the issues that I had with like my friend earlier, which I think still applies to this is like um, guys don't want to confront or recognize the role that we play directly or indirectly yes. in this because yes. regardless of whether or not we're the ones that you know instigate or commit these acts of violence or terror yeah. against women or against you yeah. know minorities of any color yeah the quote-unquote good guys that don't do that don't say anything or don't become active enough bystanders to call that out or to say anything to defend that and it's like the reason why this continues to persist is because it's also it's a matter of both this willful act of violence and anger that these people have, but also our also inability to uh, confront that and to call that out. Our it's a combination of both action and both inaction on male parts uh, in terms of like yeah. what we have done to kind of like address this issue, like in the ways that we should. Absolutely, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I do agree because I, you know. Because uh, I, I I obviously thought about this a lot to myself when it happened. Like, you know, I realize much like what you said, it's really the kind of kind of for us, like you know, as an Asian American, we're sometimes adding fuel into the fire, right? Because um, even for me, like growing up as a, because you know, I obviously born and raised here in the U.S. as well, you know, so you know, I'm also American citizen. We're both are, and so growing up as a kid you you know at least for me you know you you try to do things to fit in right so then you mm. you kind of add into that whole thing with like oh the, the stereotype stuff and you, you sort of try to like laugh it off and then and, and either that or try to be someone that you're not right because you're you're maybe afraid that you either like stand out too much or, or you know how it is when you're a kid you want yeah, to be yeah. the popular one or whatever and mm -hmm. and i realized that that you know not just when I was a little kid, like even when I went to college, it was kind of like that too. I realized I was doing these things or, you know, showing these actions that is almost like, dude, I'm Asian American. I'm Asian. I'm straight up, straight up Chinese. I should be proud of it. 
is like, okay, you know, Chinese food is great. I love it. Boba milk tea, fuck all that, all that Asian stuff I should be yeah. all in for. Right. But then I wasn't doing that at the time. And then it sort of clicked in my head, like, wow, I'm basically almost encouraging these other people to be okay with it. You know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, like it's become like just so ingrained within us that like we don't even realize that it's happening like um i was on this podcast uh with a friend um a little while ago we were discussing movies um talking about godzilla king the monsters um because i'm a huge godzilla fan and we were talking about the uh franchise that are coming out right yeah and i was talking about like you know um as much as i'm a fan of the movie and like just the giant monster fights because i love giant monsters and that's kind of my whole spiel it doesn't negate a lot, a lot of issues with the film that like, not only now, now that I look at it, it's like, it's not even the fact that they're just like terribly written plot points. Some of them <laughs> are just straight up, just horrible and terrible, like terribly offensive. Like um, there's like this part in the movie where basically like uh, Ken Watanabe's character has this very long, passionate heart to heart speech with uh, Kyle Chandler's character, like talking mm-hmm. about like how in times of crisis, you know, this is a moment where we, uh, learn to accept and move yeah. on and to become emboldened by these things that uh, confront us in life or whatever. Yeah. And then Kyle Chandler's character's like, did you come up with that? It's like, no, I read it in a fortune cookie, a very large <laughs> fortune cookie. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, like, I, I was like, and my friend Tyler kind of pointed it out. It's like, that was like, I, I mean, it's definitely racist and it's definitely unfunny. And it's like, it just, you don't realize how much it like, yeah how awful it is until like you reflect on it later and it's like the worst part about it is i think when i first watched the movie i didn't even pay attention to just how bad that actually is Mm -hmm. because of how ingrained that kind of stuff is Mm -hmm. to us now like it's just like even like just like a terrible joke like that or whatever it's like it's like like you would otherwise chalk it off as like corny or just like ridiculous or whatever but like especially with like everything else it's like you contextualize that and it's like it's actually pretty fucked up and we're supposed to be okay with that because what kim watanabe said it yeah yeah so it's like and i feel like that's like something that like um hollywood has constantly like kind of done stuff like that where like they reinforce a lot of these like stereotypes both very blatantly but also very subtly without us realizing it and i i think that's part of the reason why like when this stuff like happens it's like while for so many of us, like, it's not a mystery to a lot of us, for a lot of other people, it's genuine shock because they have no idea where it came from because it has been that embedded into us at this mm-hmm. point. Like, the way that uh, we have portrayed Asian and Asian Americans, like, in media, like, just, like, oh, yeah. all of those stereotypes. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, they, yes, media has a huge part in that, and they're not doing anyone favors. And to be quite honest, if if they have to keep spilling out these kind of stereotype jokes, then that means that they don't really have any, a lot of talented writers or talented comedians. Then if they have to, yeah, exactly. Joke like that. It's like, what? I mean, it's not, it's not like the whole, like that, like what you just said about the whole fortune cookie thing. It's not even it's such an unnecessary joke. I don't even understand. It's why. so poorly placed. And it's like, it's just so awkward in time. It's like, you're going to have something this poignant and this awesome. And then you set yeah. it off with like this very terrible attempt that a racist, joke that is not even funny or just uh well and, i mean to maybe to other people it might be funny but obviously for most at least like the Asian. yeah but but again I, again that i think is still a part of the problem as well too because it's like you know like even if it's like 
you chuckle at it or whatever, you kind of have to understand like why you're chuckling at it or uh, why it's humorous. And then it's like, true. yeah, it's it's just like this cycle of just like awfulness. Like the more and more you think about it, like oh yeah, oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I was um. I went back and reread the uh, Variety article you shared with me a, a while back, basically kind of like uh, just how Hollywood has kind of become yeah. very yeah. complacent with a lot of like this and how it's kind of like helped attribute to a lot of this as well, too, like um, in terms of, like the kinds of jokes and a lot of the um, behaviors and stuff like that that we uh, add or instigate yeah. to our media. Um, uh, one of the uh, things I was in that article that I talked about was um, just how uh, there was that one SNL uh, performer that got fired because of like uh, racist uh, jokes they made uh, regarding Asians like earlier on in their career and just the half-assed apology that he tried to come with afterward basically saying like yeah I mean I said all those things but at the end of the day I'm a comedian and I'm supposed to be pushing boundaries it's like <laughs> are you really though like is that like I mean first of all if like you said you know if you have to rely on those kinds of like dated terrible jokes yeah. that really aren't that funny to begin with like are you really that much a comedian like are you really pushing boundaries there are you just like i don't know you're trying to re justify something very right. terrible about yourself in that regard just oh yeah, yeah. absolutely and i know that's like that's the problem is like they they do it and then like their way is just like half-assed apologies right and 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 yeah and then that article really you know um for the ones for those who are listening i, I will post that article too in the description but yeah i mean that article it 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 really hits the hits the nail, right? Because the way how they portray uh, obviously Asian women in there, you know how like the whole, the whole like, it, it, like what you said, the Asian sex workers, like the whole like oh, oh you know, yeah, yeah, like oh we're, we're they're only there to please like the white the the white people because the I guess you can say the white boss, and then they're saying stupid stuff like oh me love you a long time, you know like like those yeah full those metal jacket and that yeah yeah mess. the very the very like stereotypical like stuff that a lot of people think that Asian women will say, which is not true. And then they had to do it in a way where like they had to say, say those words in like, an, uh, like what, like a Chinese accent. And I'm just, then, I, then for me, it's like, it blows my mind that it's like, what? I mean, Asian, I mean, a lot of Asian women don't even talk that way. They talk normally. It's just I, I mean, yeah, I mean, granted, we're in the States, and obviously, like, most of the women that we know are, like, we're born here, so they definitely don't have those accents, sure. but it's, like, even then, it's, like, yeah. if that's your only real, like, you know, introduction, if that's your only real outlet or kind of, like, just, like, source to kind of, like, how Asian women actually are, like, Jesus Christ, no fucking wonder, like, we have, like, just these horrible, like, just stereotypes that keep perpetuating because we have... Hollywood has done such a disservice like in regards to portraying um, all women and all persons of color but especially in this uh, instance Asian women uh, in yeah. media as anything past whatever we fetishized or stereotyped them to be already and it's it's awful and it definitely does I think uh, have a role to play in a lot of what ended up happening in Atlanta because a lot of these like these attitudes and these yeah. stereotypes they don't come from nowhere like people don't just have these ingrained in them like these are reinforced yes con like almost conditionally to us like as we continue to get old as we grow older you know as we go yeah. out and you know do all these things it's like the stuff that we take in and that we consume become a part of our mindset and our worldview so it's like if you're not conscious and aware of where that comes from or 
what it is that they're saying it's like you're going to get a lot of people with a lot of like shitty worldviews because of stuff like that yeah i mean part 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 of it too though i also think that is um the fact that a lot of uh, well, I, I don't want to make this generalization, but you know, there could be a handful of people that they're not really educating themselves on this matter, right? Because yeah, um, the th- the things with with the whole racism against Asians, they need to learn a little bit of the history of that too. And it, I mean, obviously, dates back all the way to like the you know the the Exclusion Act. I mean, that's that's something that a lot of people tend to forget, like that mm-hmm. kind of that, you know that that matter, right? Because because I guess at the time, maybe that part of the history isn't as, as prominent or whatever, but, but that happened. And then a lot of people maybe don't know too much about it. And then they, because what my friend pointed out yesterday to me is that like, people still believe in the whole, um, what they called a uh, model, model minority. I don't know if you heard yeah. of that, that term. And so he was saying that that's all a myth. It's not true because they, it's just like what you said, it's the way how they reinforced it and ingrained in our heads. That's how it is. And so that's part of the problem is people aren't really, they're, they're just not learning enough or whether it's reading enough books or even learning the right subject matters to understand like, okay, this is, this comes to a breaking point now because of all the stuff history wise that happens, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, you're hoping that as people get older, as they acquire more knowledge, as they either read more or obtain more uh, life experiences, they would learn this stuff. But then it seems like that's not the case. It seems like a lot of people are still not fully, uh, fully there. I don't know if that's the right term to say. <laughs> I think it's a combination of just the fact that like, um, no one ever wants to feel wrong or feel like they've wronged somebody like no one ever wants to be the source of or the reason behind someone's trauma or the reason why they've gone through a horrible experience and i think that's kind of like something that uh it is will be an important it plays an important part in this because i think part of i think accepting and being able to kind of like learn past these problematic behaviors is being able to reconcile reconcile with and you know address those problems with yourself like you know like you mentioned you know the whole model minority myth that is so ingrained in so many people i fucking believed that for the longest time growing up that was something i had to unlearn for myself because you know you grow up you know as a minority among minorities uh because again i grew up in a predominantly api community there were not a lot of Latinos where I was at. And uh, I felt so kind of removed from my own culture already enough as it is that like, you know, there's like, the, the, it feeds a lot on that because of like those experiences that you have and you have to actively unlearn a lot of those issues yeah. and a lot of that problems because you realize that it's not even perpetuated by agents or anything like that. Like, again, this is just something that has been set up and established by white people yes. to kind of like distance and further disenfranchise other minority groups against each other. Yes. And it's awful because it's like, it reinforces a horrible stereotype to other like um, minorities and other POCs that buy into it. And then a lot of like API individuals themselves start to buy into it as well too, because they have create these like, cultures and drives for success for themselves or whatever or feel like a failure for not living up to this expectation that has come with this minority like myth that we've just popularized and kind of made so ubiquitous it's it's terrible 
Absolutely terrible. I mean, I, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent that, you know, I'm much like you too. I, I believe in that for a long time too, until I do like really like what you said, unlearn, really unlearn and think about and reflect like, Oh, wow. There, there is an issue there. Like, you know, even something like very simple, like, let me give you an example something simple example is that I used to love watching family guy. Um, you know, <laughs> But, but the thing is that what I start to realize is that there are so many episodes of Family Guy, the jokes are just come so racist. It's so racist to the point where like, where like for me at the time when, I, when I'm watching it, I don't think of it as a big deal. I, I kind of laugh at the joke too. And, but then as you get older, you, then you start to think about it. You're like, why did I even laugh about that? It's just kind of like a really stupid joke, you know? And that's, I think that's the part of the process of us unlearning, right? And then trying to kind of re, uh, in some sense, you could say recalibrate our brains or, or whatever it is, yeah, you know, or infuse it with new knowledge. And that's kind of what I try to do, you know, at least the past couple of years, because it's just very harmful, you know, for that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it, like now. it's, because like again, it reinforces harmful stereotypes about you know like um other people that you know and other people that you kind of like um a- a- as you get older and as you collect more life experiences, you meet more people. Like a lot of these horrible, terrible stereotypes that have been reinforced into your head, you have to unlearn those before you start applying them to the people that you meet. But then also on top of that, like it's self-destructive on you know the individual as well too, because then you go on this entire life living in and believing in these yeah. terrible bullshit lies and fallacies that you just keep reinforcing for yourself and it's like you know again when you finally get confronted with it and you finally like it just becomes that much harder for a lot of people because again this is something that they've known since forever there was never anything wrong with that before so how can it be wrong now and people think mm. that's i think where people suddenly get very defensive and start trying to you know uh, make excuses for a lot of that and that's not what we need to do right now. What we need to do is admit that the things that we laughed at, the things that we believed in were yes. wrong and harmful, and then actively learn, unlearn all of that so we can learn better things to incorporate into our lives instead. So, Okay, so from, from your, just from your point of view, I mean, what are some ways that people can, I guess you could say, um, I mean, maybe we have talked about this earlier or covered it, but I mean, for you, from your point of view, are there ways to, for them to unlearn and then be able to apply to the right things? I mean, I mean, it's, it's a big project, obviously. I just don't know what to do, to be honest. It is. And I think like, well, I kind of already, like, I feel like I've said this a couple of times where it's sort of like, you know, like part of what it is, is being comfortable with being uncomfortable with confronting certain things about yourself and the role you kind of play in a lot of this and uh if you're a guy uh you know own up to and accept the fact that you know misogyny and just violence against women is uh, to make not to use the word lightly a pandemic that like continues to keep going on because we don't really call it out or actively address it um for anyone that isn't of the non-api community we have to accept and uh, confront the fact that we have lived with and have either directly or indirectly perpetuated stereotypes we've made or assumed of you know api individuals and like 
as a result of that, we have to learn and unlearn a lot of stuff in order to do that. Like, I think if we're ever going to, people that constantly like uh, talk about, you know, the road to self-improvement or the road yeah. to uh, becoming a better individual, like, yeah, it's a lot of these like empty platitudes of like the self and stuff like that. But it's like, I think for me, a large part of it is also just, you know, yourself in regard to the rest of the world as well too and when you do that that means confronting and recognizing a lot of like very uncomfortable very terrible and horrifying realities with the world mm -hmm. and knowing and understanding your role or your place in the scheme of all that um because i think that's the only way i think anyone can ever actually like become a better individual or become a better person is once they understand or have a better self-awareness of that and the space they may occupy in that especially with all of this that's going on uh first do the work of reaching out to your friends and to your family to see how they're doing that's great uh learn and unlearn so many new things that you have neglected to learn uh before like um just histories uh cultural histories for all APIs and uh, API dysphora, like just in terms of like, not only just the stuff that's happened here in this country, but also other traumatic events that have happened in like uh, their culture's histories, like um, just across the globe uh, and how that has become a part of like, you know, just who they are as people now, because history is always uh, something that affects us in the yeah. present, regardless of wherever we are in that. And then also just, again, um, doing the active work of like uh just continuing to remind yourself of all of those things and where you're at and finding ways to become if not part of the solution then not become anything else that adds on to this problem at the very least you know right no that's that's very no it very is very well said very well put and and it's important and i uh, you know if everyone things like you have a lot of peace in this world but unfortunately <laughs> a lot of people aren't thinking like that but um, um but it is very well said and i guess to sort of wrap that up with with this last question i have is that well I, the reason why i'm asking this question is because for me with all this stuff going on like i you know i've had some confusion on where i stand being here in this I guess you could say in this country or, or even in this society. So my question to you is the same as like, what do you feel like your purpose is now? And then where you stand in this particular situation? It's a very big question. Um, it's, well, it's a necessary question. It is a very necessary question. And I think it's a question that a lot of us need to keep asking ourselves, especially now. Um, I think right now, uh, yeah, the best th place I can possibly be um, and something I should be doing more of is doing whatever I can to amplify the voices of those that need to be heard more, especially now, API people, um, API women specifically, uh, sex workers that feel very, that have a very personal stake in a lot of this because a lot of the violence that happened was in fact a large part of that it has to do with a lot of our own uh, societal attitudes, again, towards sex workers and, you know, what they do. Yeah, just being able to kind of like find a way to stand aside and amplify those voices and also uh, share, I think, and find ways to develop empathy with and share 
you know, feelings of just anger and disappointment, but also like a need for people to get come together as people uh, because of it. Um, I think it's one of those other things where it's like, uh, especially because of everything that's gone on over the past couple of years regarding like, uh, not even just the API community, but um, regarding Black Lives Matter, uh, immigrant rights, uh, LGBTQ trans rights. It's like, we need to be willing to not have to validate the traumas or the struggles that other people go through in order to accept and understand that no one should have to struggle or go through any of these kinds of um, traumas or struggles in the first place. Um, and if we want people to stand with us in uh, and the plights of our peoples, like when these happen, then we need to be able to show empathy and understanding to everyone uh, and stand with them when these things happen. Mm. So um, especially as someone that is, I, I'm Latino, but again, I'm white passing. I'm a cis hetero male. Uh, there's a very special position of privilege I have and occupy that um, a lot of other people don't. But being able to understand with and empathize with everyone and being able to find a way to make those struggles, like find a way to internalize them enough to become personal enough to actively fight for and stand by uh, and not just be silent or be ambivalent towards like these like atrocities when they occur, you know, that's, that's something that I definitely want to do and want to continue to do. Um, just be an active bystander as opposed to an inactive one. Um, and, and well, the thing is that like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, you, you were going towards the librarian route, you know, and, you know, obviously working in libraries is like the perfect way to, to kind of spread this knowledge, right? Because one, that's where all the books are. And two, I mean, you could like, you know, hold events or organize events where either you or someone will come in and actually teach yeah. kids or tell kids like, hey, this is kind of the history and just what's going on. Yeah, like um, that was definitely something I definitely tried to be more conscientious of and aware of. Like when I did start working as an elementary school librarian, I tried to uh, share a lot of like, um, I used to have these uh, read aloud sessions with some okay. of the younger kids. And what I would do was I would read um, the cultural myths and stories uh, of folklore from around the world to these kids. So I would introduce them to like um, stories from Chinese mythos, uh, Norse mythology, uh, Greek mythology, um, stories of uh, Anansi the spider, and like um, just like these uh, African like um, myths and uh, legends. Um, because I, I wanted to kind of like impart on them like a sense of just understanding and just being able to see other faces uh, as the heroes of these stories besides just their own. Um, I think that's something that uh. Well, that was definitely a sentiment that I felt, um, especially when I was working in film, like uh, the biggest complaint a lot of people have is like, there's a lack of originality and a lack of like just um, new stories coming out of Hollywood. And I think a part of the problem is it's because we've exhausted how many times we can keep retelling the same story about the <laughs> white male savior. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, of course, everything's going to feel boring and rehearsed and contrived because you've already exhausted every possible way you can spin that yeah. story. Um, yeah if you really want authenticity or originality, you know, like you definitely need to incorporate more stories, um, you know, with 
persons of color with women, you know, people of different backgrounds and stuff like that into these stories. And, you know, past what we've been doing already, where the only time we see a giant ensemble of black leads is in films regarding like racism and segregation in like the 60s or in the Civil War. Like, no, we need more than just trauma porn. Like we need being able to see like, you know, people like celebrating, you know, black excellence, like in contemporary times, we need to see more movies like Crazy Rich Asians, where we see, you know, just a collage of different, just beautifully talented people, like just celebrating being who they are in this space that just, you know, we don't, we haven't been able to see for the longest time because we've withheld that. Like we're at a certain point now where we can, where the public is definitely ready to hear those stories. We just need to be willing to share those stories. Yes. Um, and, you know, the truth is, it's like, you know, I'm going into a, working as a librarian as like a part of a way to kind of just yeah. provide for myself in life and stuff like that. But um, I still active, I still want to, you know, work on filmmaking as a passion on the side still with like friends and stuff like that. Uh, right. Tell the kinds of stories I would like to tell uh, in the ways right. that I can by amplifying, you know, non-white yeah. hetero cis male voices yeah diversity uh, basically yeah basically kind of just like you know like actually expanding like the kinds of stories that we hear and um you know incorporating that as not only just something that I can incorporate into just my profession but just you know my life in general like oh god I'm blanking on this right now um this very famous woman uh said that it's not enough to be not racist but we must now be vocally anti-racist mm. um and I think that's something that you have to be able to incorporate, not just in terms of like, just like your ability to uh, not only be not, not uh, perpetuate racist attitudes and beliefs, but also be willing to call that out and, you know, fight against that in every facet of your life, like on a professional level, you know, like um, just whenever you hear like a racist quack or whipped by like um some you know coworker call them out on it uh for me as a librarian i need to monitor like you know the content in a lot of these stories and see if it's still relevant or if they perpetuate any harmful stereotypes um these dr seuss books have got to go from the shelves i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we can't have that kind of stuff in here we can't let these kids read that i'm sorry that's just not right yeah um stuff like that like it's just like very little things that we right. can do for ourselves just to kind right. of like find a way to empath that. Um, I definitely think that took a lot more of a personal responsibility for myself. Like uh, when I started working as an elementary school librarian to be more mm -hmm. diligent about the kinds of stories we share with these kids and like what it is that we want them to get out of it. And um, I think again, that just goes back to the things that I like the most about the movies that I watch, the uh, books that I read. It's like, these are stories that amplify voices of those that are often ignored or unheard and you know we need to be willing to give space for them to be able to tell those stories and be able to let those be heard by everyone because we need them to more than ever so yep. uh for right now again kind of trying to go back to what it was i said earlier it's like uh just accepting and understanding yep. the role that i have in all of this and then also doing what i can to actively become part of whatever we can do to make it better um That's great. because i think yeah because i think ultimately like if we can't do that then we really can't say that we're becoming better as people or and as individuals i think yeah. um 
we have to be willing to regard and understand our position in the world along the way with finding uh, our own uh, attitudes of the self, you know? So That's great, man. That's beautiful. I, you know, is love all the things you just said. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and I, I lied. I said that was my, my last question, but I have one more last question. I promise okay. you my last question. <laughs> no, you can keep asking as many last questions as you want, man. I'm fine. Uh, what's another, what's another book that you recommend uh, besides the, the, besides that, that Mark Manson book you're reading? What's another book that you recommend? Um, so I have, I read books that are just like, um, that feel like a bunch of like different interests for me. Like just, they tackle like a bunch of like, um, stuff that I enjoy and appreciate. Um, and a lot of it is also kind of ingrained like my own, like, uh, just interests and like stuff that I find interesting. Sure. So one of my favorite books from, uh, two years back that I really loved was a book by Mallory Amira called, uh, the lady from the black lagoon. And that's about, uh, the woman that actually created the design and conception of the creature from the black lagoon from universal monsters the iconic mm-hmm. like a gilman monster mm-hmm. um and it was such a great book because it tackles on uh the um obstacles that a woman in the 40s and the 50s has to face you know uh working in hollywood working in animation and in hollywood film like basically like trying to create this um it was written mostly as a way to kind of like uh just uh reinforce this woman's importance in cinematic history because up until quite recently she was actually written out of history by um the head of the um creative department uh Mm -hmm. that hired her uh he was actively trying to discredit her and remove her from any connections to this creature because he wanted to claim the success and the conception of it for his own of course yeah so yeah and it's like it's like um it's a timely book because it talks about like um, just the rampant sexism of that time. And then the author like relates that to, you know, the sexism that she faced in her own life, you know, mm-hmm. for her time, like working in Hollywood, um, working as a film producer and like some of the um, horrible sexist stuff that has happened like to her around there, as well as also just like, you know, in general, being a woman of any fashion in this day and age, like the kinds of stuff that they have to put up with. Um, so that's a very good read that uh, I, always love to put out there because uh, for anyone that loves uh, film for anyone that loves history or the history of LA and Hollywood uh women and women in film it's especially for you uh let's see another book that I really love um it's another kind of niche book called Violence Girl it's about like um Alicia Amarendez aka Alice Bag uh she is whom I consider the godmother of LA punk rock. Uh, she was there at the start of the punk rock scene in the uh, mid seventies in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and kind of like her tales uh, regarding that scene and just, you know, how there was this scene that before it became identified with like these tropes of like, you know, the leather jackets and the studs and like the guys with like the Mohawks, like it was a very, especially in LA, it was a very culturally rich place uh, for women and, people of color to kind of like perform and engage in like this new kind of music and art lifestyle that just completely went in defiance with everything else that was going on in this period in time and just you know the history of the city and the music scene in that time Uh, but also again it's just it's a celebration of like what this woman kind of like confronted with and what she went through um especially like as like a latina woman like it 
a lot of the stuff that she related like in her own childhood like it spoke to me in a very different way than I think any other like one any other like a uh, kind of artist probably would have so um yeah violence girl by Alice Bag is another good read uh if you're interested in anything regarding music or women in history like especially in LA history uh cool you can already start to see kind of like just where a lot of my general interests are but uh right 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 and these are I, I think these are nonfiction books right yeah these are nonfiction books okay. um uh there are I could probably like um just label like um some of their fiction books for you but I think um as I've gotten older like I've kind of been more orientated towards reading like a lot of these like books that are based in history and kind of just like these parts of it um mostly because I think again this is a part of me kind of trying to expand kind of just yeah the way that I see the world is also my relation to it so by right. reading about these stories about these things that interest me and kind of like elaborating on that a bit more no that, that's absolutely fine yeah I mean you know um it's always good to go for your interests and um you know it's always good to mix it up too I I, I always mix it up I mix it mix it up sorry all good man I mix up yep. with both fiction and nonfiction. I mean, I, I you know, I, I myself have been reading more nonfiction lately, but, but, you know, but that's good to hear. That's good. Cause I, I, I'll, I'll take a look at those books. I'll check out those books. And um, for anyone who's interesting, listening to who's interesting, I will post, post uh, the information of those books as well. And, um, but yeah, no, this, this is, this has been very delightful conversation, very informative, Victor, uh, you know, it's, it's been, um, been great having you on, uh, really appreciate it. And I, I guess before we, we do go, where, you know, where can people find you? Because I, I, you know, I know that you're trying to expand the voice and everything. So where can people find you? Um, I, I mean, I'm no advocate or anything like that. Like, um, I just, I kind of spit out like random opinions here and there when I'm not just like posting just random love for giant monsters and horror movies constantly, but, uh, <laughs> fine. But yeah, um, my Twitter and Instagram uh, handles are the Kaiju Sleeps. Uh, I just post like a lot of just random interest stuff in addition to like just leftist rants constantly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's if you're interested, that's where I'm at. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Hey. Don't. Doesn't matter. You don't have. No. You know. Don't have to be any social media influencer because any. Uh, you know, I believe everyone has a voice. Everyone has their voice. Everyone should be spreading whatever knowledge or voice that they have, and and so it doesn't matter. I think yeah, it's, it's still good for people to know. But cool, man. Thank you very. Thanks again, man. I mean, it's it's been it's been great. Uh, we'll I'm sure we'll 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 be back talking again at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, man. Um, it was great to be here. Thank you, Darren. Cool. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>